If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring you guests who are going to inspire you, educate you, motivate you into action. And I am super excited. My friend that's joining us today is Angel Hartwell. She's known as the Wealthy Life Mentor and is an internationally known artist, author, evolutionary alchemist, and honored as Be the Change Movement to Watch award winner and considered one of America's premier experts. And she has appeared on multiple times on major media. She is a creator executive producer and host of the 2020 People's Choice and 2021 Communicator award-winning and number one Apple internationally ranked podcast, Wickedly Smart Women, and is hired to consult with high-achieving leaders who are called to be vanguard of the creative age. Please welcome my friend, Angel B. Hartwell. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now we met, it's going to be what, two, two, almost three years ago coming up um, at the New Media Summit with Steve Olsher. And I had a chance to be on your show and I finally get you to be a guest on my show, which is really exciting. And, you know, I want everybody to get to know you because you're such an amazing woman. And just start off by telling us about your background and what made you create a business designed to serve and empower messengers. Because I, I know that we're all messengers in some form or another. So I would love to hear more of how you're set to serve. Yeah, well, so I I spent the first 20 years of my career, Deborah, in the real estate industry. And my last project, I was developing with two business partners, 51 single family houses, 56 apartments and an office building. And I was the national chairperson of my trade association. And then I had a spiritual awakening. And um, kind of as a result of that spiritual awakening, over a number of years, I came into all of these parts of myself that I didn't know actually existed prior to to that time. And uh, that included my author and the artist and the alchemist and a healer and performer and just all of these parts that uh, had been suppressed within me uh, that suddenly popped out to be seen and to be heard. And as part of that process, one of the things that that happened over the course of time between when I left real estate, I left real estate at the beginning of 2003, and I got called to speak in 2008. So that time frame between my spiritual awakening, um, leaving my, my old career behind, and then getting the call to speak was just such a real ex- deep exploration in all of these possibilities that I didn't even know existed within me. And because of my own journey, I I was just called to serve other people. 
people and to step into the spotlight and to share that it is possible to create significant change in your life. And, and you can actually create that change consciously uh, once you've gone through that process and, and understand the, the steps that it takes to create those changes in your life. And then kind of as a result of stepping out onto the stage as a messenger myself, one of the things that became really clear was that I was actually here to not only be a role model for what was possible, but also to be actively engaged in the process of supporting others do the same. You know, one of the things I want to touch on is you talked about having a spiritual awakening and for people who maybe not have experienced it or don't have a clear understanding of what that means. Can you tell us a little bit more what, what happened for you? Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, I was a real estate developer. I was in the middle of a giant project, right? I had, I had, uh, a lot going on at that time in my life. And at the same time, there was a lot of personal, um, within my family, there was a lot of like crisis after crisis that was happening. So I was under this huge amount of pressure in my, in my career. And simultaneously, I was having huge amounts of crises in my family side of things. And uh, ultimately, I ended up actually injuring myself. I, I fell down skiing in early 2001. And after my skiing injury, when I was in physical therapy, I said to the physical therapist, well, maybe I sh you know, should try this yoga thing. And so he said, yeah, you know, you can do yoga as long as if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt. If anything hurts, just don't do it. So I was like, okay, I won't do it. So I started a yoga practice in May of 2001. And by August of 2001, a lot of things started to crack open within me emotionally as well as spiritually. And in August, uh, the teacher took us outside and we had a yoga class in the park. And at the end of the class, I was lying under this tree in final Shavasana, which is basically corpse pose where you rest and allow the practice to integrate. And I'm lying there into the tree. And all of a sudden I have this like pop open of my third eye. And I could see in my mind's eye, this vision of a golden white staircase and all of these orbs floating up and down the staircase. And when I sat up and opened my physical eyes, everyone in the park was a golden white orb of light. So it was pretty wild. <laughs> it was a pretty wild spiritual awakening. And I'm really grateful that I had, even, even though it was a short period of time, only four months or five months in the yoga community, but I'm really glad that I had a loose web, very loose web of support around me when this happened. Because literally after I left the park, I, I kept seeing like golden orbs of what of of light, even as I was driving, everybody in the car was a golden white orb of light, and I th I remember thinking to myself, "Am I going to see this way forever? Like, what's going on here?" And if I had been in a different um, environment and in a different time frame in my life, and had not had that support system, I very seriously might have considered taking myself to a psychiatrist and getting medicated, but because I had this loose system of support, I was able to 
experience what I experienced. And then I was able to begin the process of affirming my experience. Mm -hmm. And part of that um, became a practice of journaling, became a practice of ultimately I ended up channeling a lot. Um, and it also became a practice of seeking out those like-minded communities of support and uh, getting trained in a lot of modalities, including shamanic healing and Reiki and a number of other, uh, I'm naturally ordained with sound. So it, it was really a, an opportunity for me to, to blow the blow myself out of the box, right? Of literally as a real estate developer, right? And, uh, and I could have gone two ways. I could have medicated myself and, um, you know, denied that I was having this experience or I could embrace it. And, um, and I embraced it, Deborah. So when you think of these orbs, are they more like an aura of people's energy or... Or is it that you don't see their physical form and you saw these? I didn't see. Yeah. When, when that happened, it was basically everything was like a, a golden white orb of light. You know, there was no body. There was nothing. All I was seeing was these golden white orbs of light. And then when I was seeing a staircase, I, I saw like angelic forms as well. But, you know, I mean, everyone's spiritual awakening experience is different. And what I will say was that was the initial like popping open. Right. And I have subsequently had many, many, many additional awakenings, up levelings, uh, initiations into uh, greater levels of, of awareness and consciousness. And at the same time, I needed to stay practical too, Deb. Let's be honest. Right. You know, the mortgage company doesn't care if you're seeing golden white orbs of light, right? Right, right. So, how do right. you. Um, explain this to people who are like, okay, I'm not sure how to take this from Angel, <laughs> you know, to have them not, you know, I can imagine that some are like, okay, in avoidance, possibly. Um, and some are just intrigued and say, okay, let's just go with the flow, see what she's got to say. Um, how do you approach that when people are? Well, I kind of think resistant? Deborah, the most important, the most important thing is that I have to affirm myself. And whether you've had a spiritual awakening or whether you have a calling to be an activist to, you know, clean up the pollution on the planet or whether you are, you know, suddenly inspired to run for office or whatever it is, the core of being able to function and succeed in your life really requires that you honor your own personal experiences. Mm -hmm and um, and become self-referencing. And this is something that I uh, work with my, my clients around because uh, I think that the thing that will um, be helpful here to give people is a visual. Uh, I, I wanna talk about being a messenger. And, and one of the things that happens when we get called to be a messenger is uh, we approach what I call the mountain of visibility. And at the bottom of the mountain of visibility are all of the people who are in what I call the pool of professionals. And in the pool of professionals, you're looking to the left, you're looking to the right, you're trying to get 
some outside affirmation of who you are and what you're doing. You're getting certified. You're, you know, I went through that process myself with the, on the healing journey. And I also got certified when I was in the real estate business. You know, you're looking for that outside golden seal of approval that says that you have something of value to offer. And when you're in the pool of professionals, how you show up in terms of how you value yourself and your exchange with the market is literally based on like looking to the left and looking to the right and seeing what everyone else is doing. And, oh, let's say, I don't know, like you're an accountant and uh, accountants are charging anywhere between $150 and $375 an hour that are all around you. So you say, okay, I'm going to charge $250. Like you're not even actually thinking about what is required for you to be profitable, for you to be able to bring your work out into the world in a bigger way. The next level of the mountain of visibility is what I call the emerging experts. Mm -hmm. And when you move into the emerging expert space, you begin to differentiate yourself and you begin to, as a messenger, uh, stand for something and you begin to self-reference in terms of what it is that your value is in the world. And from there, is the next level is the leaping leaders. And sometimes people go right from the pool of professionals up to the leaping leaders. And that was part of my journey. I became a leading voice. I mean, I was heard by millions of people around the world as early as 2010, 2011, about three years into my messenger journey. So I, I really stepped into that place very quickly. I emerged right through the expert level into leaping leader. And then at the top of the mountain of visibility is what we call uh, the legacy of light. And these are people like Tony Robbins or Marianne Williamson or Deepak Chopra or, you know, Barack Obama or people who are here whose message is, is global and whose work is going to live on long after they have left the planet. And as you raise up that mountain of visibility, your earning potential both has the, um, it increases because you are claiming more value and being more visible in the marketplace. So your earning potential increases because of the value that you're offering, but it also must increase because as you go further up the mountain as a messenger, you are actually required to do less and less and have more and more people surrounding you to support the delivery of the message out into the world. And so um, when somebody approaches me about my spiritual awakening and my experiences, um, there are going to be people who will resonate deeply with what I'm saying and who may be in the closet, who may be like, oh, my God, I'm having these experiences. And nobody, everybody's going to think I'm crazy if I, I say these things. And, and my saying this is going to affirm for them that that it's real and that it's true, and that you can still be successful in the world and honor the experiences that you have. And then there are going to be people who are going to be like, this girl is batshit crazy, and they're going to go running far away, and they're not my people. And, and I, you know, I'm going to wish them well, mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to say thank you so much for showing me that you aren't my person, and I'm not going to chase after you because that wouldn't serve. And we're not meant to serve everyone. And, you know, as you're talking, I just love the metaphor of the mountain because it's so real and it's something that we can visualize immediately. 
and we can identify with those leaders at the top very easily because we know that their message is well known. I uh, recently read a book, What My Soul Told Me by Richard Barrett. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Mm -mm. Um, but basically what I'm hearing from you, and, and it just affirms what you've just said, is, you know, in that professional role, when, when we're looking the left to the right, um, and we're more in the ego stance, right? We're wanting that affirmation from other people. It might be the cars, it might be the house, it might be the money, it might be the vacations or whatever, or the clothing. And we're affirming where we're at. And the egos gets a bad rap, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's there to protect us. It's a safety mechanism. However, when there's a spiritual awakening, it's your soul's desire to achieve what it came here to do. And the ego has to serve the soul, but it must, you must be able to move beyond ego for your soul to be expressed. So I found it fascinating, you know, as you share that, how it relates to his book. And uh, it uh, was an interesting read. And for anyone, again, he's out of the UK, Richard Barrett. Mm -hmm. um, but it really relates to what you're saying, Angel. And uh, just, it's very empowering. And, you know, I've never really thought about spiritual awakening until I went for a massage one day. And, you know, you fill out the medical form and, you know, I filled out everything healthy, no issues. And uh, I was laying there and the, the therapist, she also practices, you know, Reiki and other things. And she says to me, she goes, um, so how are those headaches? I said, what are you talking about? Like she had just walked in the room. I said, I don't know what you're talking mm -hmm. about. She goes, those headaches. I said, well, I don't have head pain. I've had what I learned was called an optical migraine. So it looks like starbursts. I had it for three days in a row just before I met her. And she goes, what if I told you that was your spiritual awakening? I'm like, first of all, how did you even know I had headaches? Because <laughs> I, I didn't have head pain, right? So I didn't even write it down. Right. And right. um, it's been an interesting journey since and really exploring what she meant by that. And now I understand when, you know, your soul's desire is to fulfill your purpose. And, you know, mm -hmm. for people, they might take it as um, indifferent uh, verbiage, I guess, or languaging of what that means, right? So um, sure. for those of you listening who are like, whoa, spiritual awakening, I don't know if how I, I can interpret that. It's basically, you know, your soul and what you came here to do wants to be expressed in whatever way it is. And the ego kind of backs down and serves the soul, which is, which is a really cool thing. And, and I, because when you think about these leaders at the top that you have, they're no longer serving some of their own needs. It naturally flows through them. Correct. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Well, and I want to affirm for you and for the listeners that, um, you know, the, the spiritual awakening process can be, is as unique as our fingerprints, mm -hmm. is as unique as our fingerprints. And some people, um, came through, I came through what I consider now in retrospect, a wave in the early 2000s, like my spiritual awakening happening in 2001. I saw another wave happen uh, kind of globally in 2006. 
Another wave happened again in 2012 and into 13. And then, of course, with the pandemic this past year, there was so much of an opportunity for people to turn inward and to begin to question and to begin to uh, kind of sink more deeply into why the hell am I here? And death itself has been an informer. And so when death shows up to be the informer, you're going to you know, have a response from your soul. Your soul is the part of you that enlivens you. So when death shows up to be the informer, the soul has got to also show up to say, I'm actually here to live and I'm actually here to create and I'm actually here to contribute something more than this conditioned, societally approved cookie cutter life that I, I adopted because I had no other awareness, but now I have awareness. And once we have awareness, it, the next step for us is to, to move forward into our calling. And I love what you said about, you know, the soul's purpose. I like to think about the calling and I was called to be a messenger and uh, whoever's listening to me that is feeling activated by anything that I'm saying, you are also likely called to be a messenger. And how I define the calling is the calling is like your heart or soul, we can call it your heart, you can call it your soul, you can call it your spirit, your heart's desire to bring its most divine contribution into life, into reality. And at the same time, this calling is also the prayers of all of the people who either have the problem that you can solve with your calling or the desire that you can fulfill with your calling or the rite of passage into a new identity that you can provide with your calling. And those prayers rise up vibrationally into the what's called the noosphere, which is basically the, the psychic environment around the planet. Those prayers go up and they're like vibrations that come and strum your heartstrings. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have the calling if there weren't people out there who were praying. And that is is how you know that you must say yes to it and you must move forward, even when you can't see evidence or proof that they are there yet. Yeah, because you're the vehicle. You're the vehicle for the message. And, Correct. Um, and you're meant and to share your gifts. And that's what I like to tell people. It's you're the vehicle to share the gifts that you've been given, ordained to be given to the world, whether it be in your leadership position, whether it be driving a school bus, it's about how you're showing up and mm -hmm. the message and how you share your gifts with the world. Correct. And speaking of books, I actually have a book about this whole journey that I took and it's called Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, The Creative Age Leader's Guide to Speak, Sell, Serve, and Succeed. And it was a number one new release in three categories. And 
I actually engaged and employed the power of virtual speaking um, because at the time that I got called to be a messenger, I was also called to divorce my second husband. And I was in a process of uh, looking at, you know, creating a life as a single mom again. And my son was approaching uh, puberty. And so I had this huge call to be a messenger after my kind of five-year journey through this spiritual awakening process. And I couldn't deny the call, couldn't deny the call. And I had to be a mom too. I couldn't deny my call to be a mom. So thankfully the internet provided, and I was able to use uh, virtual speaking as the vehicle for getting my message to millions of people around the world. And it's interesting because, you know, people will say, well, if I take that leap into that space I need to be in, um, I'm concerned that I'm not going to make enough money to survive. And often what I've heard um, more so that is when you do step into the calling, that's where you're needing to be. You are always provided in many different ways. You might not know where it's coming from or how it's coming from, but as long as you're connecting to your why and staying true to yourself of what you are called to do, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. And here's where I'm going to be practical, Deborah. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes. Yes. Everything will take care of itself. And you are responsible for doing your own math. <laughs> right. The spirit, the spirit realm is, is not necessarily completely tuned into the fact that there's a mortgage payment due and that the kid needs new sneakers every three weeks when he's going through puberty. Puberty. So it is your responsibility to do the math. And my encouragement to people is it's, it's not about that you're doing the math to try and control things. And it's not about that you're doing the math because you don't trust that the universe is going to provide what you require. It's that you're doing the math. So you have clarity on what you require and what your message requires in order for it to be most effectively delivered. And so this is where we have to talk a little bit about self-care for messengers, because many, many people who have been called to be messengers generally are heart-centered, generally would call themselves somewhat conscious, and they generally have the the phrase, I just wrote this in a, a blog today, they generally have the phrase come out of their mouth, well, I'm not doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that if you are coming from just give, 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 and accounted for the fact that you need to pay the mortgage and the kid needs new sneakers and the cat has to have cat food and you actually need to be taken care of and have somebody else be doing the, you know, the editing of your podcast or the booking of your speaking gigs or whatever it is that's required in order for you to actually thrive, mm-hmm. well, you're in trouble. You're, you're sabotaging the whole ship. The whole entrepreneurship is being sabotaged if you're not willing to do the math and get clear on what's required at a minimum for you to thrive, which means covering all of your personal expenses. Mm-hmm. It also means covering the expenses of the support team that are going to be Uh, needed in order for you to actually show up at your best. If you are a messenger 
your role is to stand on, on stages like I'm doing right now right. and be fully enthusiastically transmitting the message. And if I've got 27 windows open in the back of my head about, oh, that bill needs to be paid. And, oh, did I respond to that email? And, oh, is the editing being done on that episode properly? And like, if I've got all those other open windows in my head, I can't be wholeheartedly present and here with you, with the audience, delivering at my highest potential. So it's very important that we do the practical pieces of, of looking at the money. And I think probably one of the reasons why most people are able to um, uh, accept my spiritual awakening story is because I'm also eminently practical. <laughs> I, I bring practical strategies along with spiritual technologies to my work. I marry both of them together. Right. Versus someone just saying, oh, she's got her head's, head in the clouds. When you add that practicality, it makes sense. And when you're yeah. tracking the money that's coming in or what needs to go out, your focus is on the abundance versus scarcity, right? And more will Correct. to you based on where you're putting your focus. Correct. What you focus on expands, that is for sure. And, and I will say- uh, Go ahead. Yeah, definitely with clarity. So one of my mistakes, because let's confess, yeah. let's do a little vulnerable confession here. One of my mistakes was I spent a lot of years focusing on the expenses. And what do you think happens when you focus on the expenses? You get more. They get bigger. <laughs> they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so part of my um, part of my transformation in that area was, oh, stop focusing on on what you need in order to have to cover the expenses and be more focused on what's coming in and celebrating what's coming in and holding on to and appreciating some of what's coming in because there's there's varying stages in the money relationship too there are people who can make money all day long right and then there are people who can make money but they can't manage it mm. so then there are people who can manage money all day long right and then there are the people who can um who can make the money make money Right. So there's there's different levels of the relationship with money. And as an entrepreneur, as a messenger, spiritual awakening, because you're having your personal spiritual awakening. And at the same time, all of a sudden you're activated to be a messenger. Well, there's no job description in the newspaper looking for messengers. Right. right. So you are required to become an entrepreneur and the entrepreneurial journey causes even more spiritual awakening things to happen. And, uh, and it grows you in ways that you weren't expecting that have nothing to do with the message. So often it's in um, your relationship with money, you're going to get get triggered, you're going to be required to grow, you're going to be required to get new skills. Uh, also in your relationship with other people in leadership as a team leader or as a team creator, you're going to have all kinds of stuff. And, and we're always in this evolving, growing process. And so part of the work is to, um, to stay committed and to also surrender that there's it's there's never going to be like an end until you know they put the dirt on top of your you know whatever's left and as you have more clarity you're definitely going to have more courage 
right? More mm -hmm. courage to go yeah. after those things that you want to do that otherwise without clarity, you're fearful of the actions that you take. Whereas when you are clear, you're not necessarily thinking you're doing more due diligence. Like again, that practicality, you're doing due diligence, but you're more likely to take the risks that get you the results that you need. Yeah. And I love that you use the word results and, you know, it's a beautiful thing as a messenger to have, you know, awards, to have accolades, to have audience members who are applauding you. Um, but none of that is paying the mortgage. Right. So part of results is making sure that you are clear on the revenue that you require and that you are focused focusing your attention and your intention on delivering the message to the people that are most likely to be your right fit people, right? And, and one of the challenges I see many messengers do is they just run around and speak everywhere. I did it. I did it. I ran around and spoke everywhere. People would say, oh my God, you're everywhere. Yes, I was everywhere. <laughs> And, um, and I was focusing more on the output. Again, it was another like focusing on the output rather than focusing on what was coming in. And so it does require you to learn how to activate your capacity to both ask for from, from the universe as well as from people to ask for what you require and to receive it with grace and joy because you know that it's in service to the whole thing functioning properly and growing properly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I thank you, thank you for sharing, you know, with your vulnerability that, you know, this has happened to you because when you're unclear, um, you don't get the results that you want. So why would someone seek help to find their voice so that they can crystallize that message that they're meant to share? Well, this is a great question. So I, I have worked with a lot of people over the years, the last 13 years, um, and many of them women, and they are willing to uh, invest in themselves, which, you know, is important. They're willing to invest in their message. But again, if they are not clear, just as you just said, Deborah, um, it's going to be difficult difficult for them to have the impact that they actually came to make with the contribution that they are here to, to serve into the world. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to be difficult for them to have the income that will allow them to sustain for the long term, the development, growth and dissemination of their message. So getting really clear on the message also allows those people who are listening to be able to to identify themselves as being either the challenge or the desire or the right of, you know, the, the, the shift in identity that they're looking for. So can I talk a little bit about this shift in identity thing? Because this isn't actually new that, that came into me. A lot of marketers say, find the pain point, find the pain point, find the pain point, right? right. And many messengers have a hard time with that. I did. I was like, I don't want to poke people in their, in their pain. I don't want to hurt hurt anybody. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it took me a long time to get my head around what they were talking about and, and how to actually deliver it in a way that was, um, was actually an activation into a healing process with people. But uh, there's also this idea of 
helping people to see that you are able to help them fulfill a desire that they have. So I'll use as an example, you know, the pain point would be, oh my God, you're called to be a messenger, but you are terrified to talk. You're terrified to get on stage. You're terrified to be in front of people. Well, that's a pain point, right? So now let's use the desire piece. The desire piece would be, um, you're, you know that you're called to speak and you are super called to be heard by millions of people around the world. It's like, you know, it's not the rubber chicken luncheons that you're supposed to be speaking at. You're actually supposed to, supposed to be speaking at a global level and you have this big vision and this big desire to serve. Well, I'm the, I'm the gal for you, right? I'm the gal that can help you to be heard by millions. And that's another communication device. When I'm clear that I help people to be heard by millions, the people who are just wanting to go to the Rotary Club are not my people. They're not my people. Yeah. My people are the ones who are called to be seen on a much larger stage and to make a much bigger impact at a global level. Now, this piece about a new identity what I'm discovering is that this is a kind of a, a new nuance that has come in for me. In your case, uh, Deborah, j- your podcast alone is actually helping people to identify. They're looking to identify themselves as millionaire women. They're either aspiring to be a millionaire woman or they want to be seen as a millionaire woman, or they already are a millionaire woman. So they are claiming that identity. Same thing with my podcast, Wickedly Smart Women, right? They are, uh, there's an aspiration for a new or an uh, affirmation of the identity. And so that's another way that we can get clear that if you are here to be, um, to be to take the rite of passage into millionaire woman, Deborah is the one you want to be talking to. Right. If you are here to take the rite of passage into the identity of wickedly smart woman, I'm the one that you want to talk to. Does this make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a really and so we want to have that level of clarity so that people can hear us. Yeah. And being able to clear and claim, claim it. Mm-hmm. And own mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. Wow. We could go on for hours and I'm looking at the time and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I got to wrap things yeah. up more questions. But this is so intriguing and we'll, we'll have to have you back. And I'm just so excited that you're here and just generating so much thought. I hope everybody, you know, you're going to have to take a listen again and or watch us again on YouTube as well. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you um And I ask all my guests, what is one book that has really transformed your life? And when you talked about, you know, the ones at the top, it made me think of The Alchemist, of course, because I remember Mm -hmm. very clearly how it talks about the legacy of the individual, how it lasts forever. And uh, but Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what is the book that has really transformed your life? Yeah, uh, Marianne Williams. A return to love was pivotal, pivotal and life-changing for me. Um, That was the book that I had my hands on in uh, early 2001. And I believe that just her transmission through that book was a contribution to my spiritual awakening. Um, 
you know, when we talked earlier about spiritual awakening, one of the things that's important is to be surrounded by people who can support you through that and also to be looking for the universe to to be sending you additional support. And and that that book literally flew off the shelf at me that summer when I was contemplating divorcing my first husband. I was in a deep, deep contemplation around uh, divorcing my first husband. And there, you know, I went into that marriage with a mindset and with conditioned beliefs that I was in there for life. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, no matter how bad it got, no matter how crazy it was, and no matter how difficult and insane that like I was in all in, I was like committed to staying in that marriage. Right. And when I read that book that summer, when I read Marianne's A Return to Love that summer, um, there was a just a segment in the book that said all worldly contracts are subservient to your agreement with your highest self and your agreement with your highest self, your highest self will always Mm -hmm. point you in the direction of a more positive, more healthy, more, um, enjoyable life. Mm-hmm. And, and having that message come through at that time was a miracle for me because it literally began the process of dismantling a belief system that was, was self-destructive and, um, and would have, if I had stayed in that marriage, you know, would have been a downward, a, a and deepening downward spiral until the very end. So yeah, that was the one. And it's interesting that you brought up her book because I just finished reading a book that was talking about Marianne Williamson and her book. And it was talking about when she ran for president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And someone had asked her, you know, with all your knowledge and speaking and everything, why would you choose to do that? Because the odds were against from what they, you know, people were questioning her. And she said, I am called for the responsibility that I know that I can be a vehicle of change in even being a candidate in the presidency and should she be elected, right? But I saw, saw what you were talking about, how, you know, when you're called to serve to a greater good, that sometimes we don't understand it, but we know that we need to follow it. So thank you. It's a, yeah. See how it just falls into place that I just finished reading that and I'm interviewing you today. Um, it's incredible. <laughs> what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Ooh, I like this. So one of the things that I've been doing lately, and maybe it was because I knew I was coming here. I don't know. I must've tuned in somehow, but I've been going to bed every night saying, I'm going to rich tomorrow. And um, rich to me is rested, inspired, clear, and healthy. I'm rested, inspired, I'm clear, and I'm healthy. Because if I'm rested, I'm inspired, I'm clear, and I'm healthy, anything is possible for me. 
Absolutely. I love that acronym. That's, that's so incredible. Uh, thank you for sharing. That. Yeah, you're wow. welcome. So every night I go to bed and I say, I'm going to wake up rich tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How can people stay in touch with you, Angel? I really want people to want to stay in touch with you who might want to do work with you, have access to you. How can they do that? Sure. Well, I have a fun quiz that they can take to find out what their speaker magic is. And um, that I think is at quiz.beheardbymillions.com. And what's fun about that quiz is there's actually five different types of speaker magic. And each one of those different types of speaker magic actually requires a different business model and a different way of monetization. And so, um, and also different stages that, that each of those different types needs to appear on different uh, types of stages. So that is uh, a great way to get in touch and, um, and be getting some self-education as well to find out what your speaker magic is. And um, my, certainly my website, uh, wealthylifementor.com. And of course the podcast, we could leash smart women, feel free to download rate and review. We are three reviews away from a hundred reviews, a hundred five-star reviews. So we'd love to have a few more of those. And uh, yeah, so those are the ways that, that people can reach out and connect with me, Deborah. Thank you so much. I'm honored that I was able to be on, on your show and, you know, check out Wickedly Smart Women. It's an amazing podcast. Angel, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's, um, do you have any final words you'd like to leave with the audience before we close out here? Yeah, the last words that I have for everyone um, is gratitude is the currency of the universe and currency is gratitude in action. And so I just want to give my gratitude to you, Deborah for being the millionaire woman. I want to give my gratitude to you for this opportunity to speak to your audience and share my message. Uh, and I want to give gratitude to the listeners who are out there who, uh, you know, some of you are going to be really inspired and want to take action and move ahead and do the deep work and make the investment. And some of you, you might take a long time to germinate, but hopefully we have uh, germinated some of your seeds of light and poured a little water and fertilizer on them and you'll pop open exactly on time. And finally, I want to give gratitude to Steve Olsher for uh, his role in bringing the two of us together uh, at the New Media Summit. Yeah. So that's that's what Absolutely. I have, Deborah. And, Thank you uh, so much. Holster, for those of you, he has been on the show as well, and he has podcast magazine for those of you listening. Great magazine. And uh, yeah, this is just an incredible interview, and we'll have to have you back to delve into some more in the future. And uh, I'm really excited to share you with the world. Well, I'm awesome. grateful. Thank you. Deborah. <laughs> awesome. I would love for you also, everyone who's listening or watching, please go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. You're going to get your three-part video course called Making Habits Stick, Build That Focus and Consistency and find out what's derailing you from getting those habits in place to get the success that you need. Those There's underlying beliefs that are catching up with you and let's knock those out of the way and rise above and where you're meant to be. If you're interested in coaching, again, please, there is a contact form or email me at Deborah at DebraKazowski.com. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. On behalf of Angel and myself, go out and have a great day.